verse 14 is you're turning there. I saw this past week online the top 10 gifts for Christmas, and I realized when I read those, I probably would not be a likely candidate for most of these. Uh, number 10 on the list an azalea Christmas tree centerpiece. Number nine, a mobile camera lens set that you put on your cell phone. I didn't even realize they had those. I thought we got beyond those. Apple Watch Series 2 is number eight. Number seven, a smartphone projector. Um, number six, seed tins for garden seeds. That's for non-techies. Um, PlayStation VR, number five. Number four, a lighted selfie iPhone 6 Plus case. Um, number three, personalized crates. Number two, three doodler start 3D printing pen. And number one, Pokemon Moon or Pokemon Sun. So uh, they must not have checked with me on any of that list. Uh, in fact, uh, the most difficult uh, thing that I have this Christmas, believe it or not, is trying to figure out what to buy my mom. And you may be in that same. I don't think any of these things would fit her. She's 83 years old. I can't see her playing with Pokemon stuff. And, and she, uh, if her son doesn't have a smartphone, I guess, guess where she is. But uh, this morning, we're continuing our look in Ephesians chapter 3. And spiritually speaking, if we could pray three things for anyone else, if we could offer the gift of prayer for three things spiritually, what would they be? And, and Paul answers that for us this morning. Look with me at uh, Ephesians 3 and beginning in verse 14 reading to the end of the chapter. For this reason, I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word today, um, we thank you for what we can glean from Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers. And Lord, knowing that they are the things today that we can pray for ourselves, we can pray for our children, for our loved ones, for members of this church, and we just pray you'd speak in this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, to this point in Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he has really been rehearsing the blessings that the Gentile believers in Ephesus possessed. Last week, you remember, we talked about how the blessings that formerly were just uh, experienced by the Jews were now being experienced by all. And we talked about the mystery of the gospel, that is, the mystery being not some enigmatic issue that no one can solve, but something previously not known, especially by the Old Testament prophets and and individuals, but was now known in Paul's day, and that is that the nations would come to God 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're almost to the midpoint of our study here in Ephesians. This today will conclude chapter 3 and for the next couple of weeks we're going to take a break. We're going to have Christmas oriented messages and then after the first of the year we'll pick up and chapter 4, and I think this will be really a great breaking point for us. But as we look here in the end of Ephesians chapter 3, we see that Paul expresses his prayerful desire for the people. And it wasn't that they would receive some external blessing, but his prayer is that it would be internal. Notice what he says in verse 19, to know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so the desire is really an inward blessing, and that's really his threefold prayer today. So I want to look at his prayer, but before we do it, I think it's important to know the one to whom he was praying. And we see that really in the first two verses that I read, as well as chapter 20. And we're going to see uh, him describe who God is, and what God's able to do. Do you know in the Bible there was an Old Testament prophet who we would say in our lingo today was a trash talker, and his name was Elijah, and you probably know where I'm going with this. Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and he had a great showdown with 450 prophets of Baal. We read about this in 1 Kings chapter 18. And in this, we have the one prophet of the true God standing against 450 individuals who were prophesying for a false god. And so Elijah boldly issues the challenge. He said, let's, let's cut to the chase. Let's see who God, whose God can produce. And he said, whoever has the God that calls down fire and, come, and that fire comes down upon that altar... That will be the true God. Uh, Elijah was so confident, he allowed uh, the prophets of Baal to go first, and they begged and they begged for fire to come down, and it didn't. The scripture says that they began to slash themselves, seeking to get the attention uh, of their false God, and it didn't. It says that they were shouting, that they were dancing, no water, I mean no fire. And then Elijah started to taunt him. And I love this. He said, uh, maybe your God's asleep. Wake him up. Maybe he's in deep thought and not thinking about you. Maybe he's wandered away. He's gone somewhere down the road. In other words, there are three things that he was accusing the false god Baal of. And it was this. He was not aware. He does not care. And he has no flair. And so then after he taunted, Elijah went and he had 12 water pots of filled with water poured on the altar. The scripture says that it came down on all of the wood and went down into the trench alongside of it. And he called out to the Lord on this wet altar and he called down fire. And the scripture said that God sent fire. It even licked up the water around the trenches. God heard, God cared, and God was able. And that is the same God that Paul is writing about here today. When he comes to God, it's not like he's coming to a human being. It's not like he's coming with somebody that he wishes can do something. He's coming to God who cares, 
He's coming to God who hears and who is able. Well, first we see that he is aware and he does care. Look at verse 14 of our text this morning. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, uh, the heavenly Father. But it's very interesting in verse 15, he qualifies that from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, in a sense, God is spiritually only the Abba Father of those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that sense, you're a child of God. In fact, in John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them gave he the right to be called sons of God. But here we see that Paul describes God as the Father in the sense from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, he's speaking of the creative aspect of God, that all of us have come from God. All of us are part of the creation. But for believers here, they knew him not just as the one who created all, but personally as a loving father. And just as a loving father would be aware, just as a loving father would be attentive and would care, so God knows our situation and he cares for us. And so Paul has this burden for the church, these inward blessings, and he realizes God cares about it more than I do. But not only does God care, God is able. He's not only a father, but he's almighty God. You know, I'm a father to three children, and I've said often, and it's part in, in, in jest, but uh, if my two boys call me, I say, figure it out. If my daughter calls me, I'm in the car, all right? It's just the way it is. But even my daughter, if she were in a problem right now, and she would have said, Dad, uh, my car is broken down. First thing I'll say is, let me call Sean. But that's my first thought. But seriously, if she were to call me and say I have a problem, I would have two problems. One is I'm more than an hour and a half away, and I don't know how to fix vehicles. All right, I may care. I may be aware of the need, but I'm not able to meet that need. The beautiful thing about our Heavenly Father is not only is He aware, not only does He care, but He's able. Verse 20 is one of the beautiful, most impressive verses in all of Scripture. It says, to, Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that does what? Works in us. The power that was manifest in the creation of the world is also at work, He understood, in us and not just Him but in the lives of those believers. But notice what he says, that God is able. He is able, but not only that, to do above and beyond. That's sort of a double superlative. That's like saying the greatest of the greatest. In other words, he's able to do immeasurably, um, abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. In other words, he can't put enough description to say how great God is. But not only that, it says that he can do above all we ask or even think according to the power that works in us. Our Sunday school lesson today, and at least in our class and I'm sure in, in your class, uh, dealt with really uh, God working through adverse situations, adverse circumstances. And, and somebody brought out in our class that God can be working in a much broader way than we may think. We may be going through adversity. We may be going through conflict. And we think we know exactly what needs to happen. But God is able to do immeasurably more 
abundantly beyond what we even ask or imagine. Isn't it good to know that when we come to God, that God is aware and God is already at work? I wonder today, what are you seeking from God through faith in prayer? Are you praying for the salvation of a particular person? Are you praying that God may bring someone back into the fold who's wandered away? Are you praying for someone who's going through a seemingly difficult situation? Not only is God aware, but he's able. So we see to whom he's praying. And what we have to agree with is this. Why did Paul even pray? Because Paul understood his own limitations. Now, Paul had poured his heart into church here. There was a strong relationship. He had spent months with these individuals. The elders there were very close and dear brothers. There were so many things he taught. He spent time with them. But he realized that God could do what he could not do. And so we see the content of his prayer. And he prayed really for the spiritual welfare of the Ephesian believers. He didn't pray, Lord, keep them free from outward strife. He didn't pray, Lord, bless them abundantly financially that they may continue the work. Every part of the prayer here was in a prayer for inward blessing, the inward working of God. And so we see an example here of intercessory prayer, of God using us as instruments of prayer. Now, you know, in our Sunday school lesson today, uh, at the very end, it talked about how Jesus Christ is making intercession for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. That's why when we come, we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus has the Father's ear. And so as we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying on the authority of Jesus and his position. And God desires that we be instruments of prayer. Paul was a brilliant person. In fact, would have made, I believe, a brilliant attorney. If you ever read Romans and Galatians, his, his thought processes, his intellectual ability, his ability to understand what an argument might be and to contradict that argument in a godly way was profound. Paul was a preacher. He was a teacher. He was an apologist, which meant he could defend the Christian faith. He was a church planter. He was a missionary. He was a discipler. But everywhere we look, Paul was a prayer. Not only did he carry out the functions outwardly of ministry God had given him, but he was a prayer. Every church to which Paul wrote, he also prayed. Uh, someone could only debate with Galatians. Galatians was a book that was focused on right doctrine, and he doesn't clearly state in the book that he prayed for them. However, he does mention that he labored for them, and I don't think it's a stretch that that laboring was in prayer. Most of the epistles that Paul wrote, he prayed thanking God for the church, and he followed that by requests for the church. I wonder today, are you an intercessor? Do you pray for this church? Do you pray for your Sunday school class members? Do you pray for your family members by name, your workplace, your neighbors? Prayer reminds us that God can do what we cannot do. As brilliant as Paul was, as hard working as Paul was, he realized his limitations, and so he lifted up the Ephesian believers in prayer. There were things that only God could do in their hearts. 
that he could be the mailman to deliver the message, but only the Holy Spirit would open up the truth. And so we see three things that he prayed for the Ephesians here. And the first was this, we found in verse 16, that they would be strengthened within. He prayed for them inner strength through the Spirit. You know, I've recently been reading a book by Dr. David Jeremiah, the renowned uh, pastor in California. And he's written a number of books, and uh, he is a student of prophecy in this most current book that I've read is called Where Do We Go From Here? And it's a very sobering book as he begins to look at the prophecies in Scripture and uh, the prophecies of Jesus that we see uh, that he uh, proclaimed uh, what would happen in the end days. And, and he talked about how the prophecies of the end days are even being fulfilled today. Days of chaos, isn't that true? Blatant sinfulness, the rejection of authority, disregard for God and the like. And as I'm beginning to read this, and he's describing our day, and he's saying it's fulfilling the prophecies of those times leading up to the end of this age as we know it, I, as a Christian, begin to think, am I ready for it? Am I ready for it? Is this church ready for it? We're seeing today how people are being backed down and threatened and shamed if, if you say something. Hey, it's coming. It's coming where mentioning the name of Christ, people will ostracize us, will shut us down. He said it's existing in the world around us now, but in the book, Dr. Jeremiah brings out, we're not far from that. And I can't help but think, are we strong enough to stand? Now, Paul realized he couldn't give that strength to the church at Ephesus. He could desire it, but he couldn't give it. He couldn't say, I mean, he could say, gird up your loins. He could say all of that, but that's just a command. The command doesn't empower. He realized that the strength they needed was an inner strength, and, and that strength comes from the Spirit of God. The word from strength, the word for strength, and rather, is that word from which we get our English base, Democracy, uh, democracy, autocracy, theocracy. It has to do with power or authority. And so what he was praying was the authority, the power of God in and through their lives, that they would be strong and not weak. Listen, we should be praying that for our children. God strengthen them in the inner person. God give them that strength to stand through difficult days. I was laughing earlier today, uh, my kids had uh, uh, Craig Gill, Coach Gill, for uh, physical education at the high school, and uh, he used to joke with my daughter Whitney all the time, he called her a wimp because she was so small, and he'd say, I don't want soft serve. He said, I want hard serve. I don't want soft serve. Don't be soft. Paul is saying here to the church, he's saying, I'm praying that God would make you strong, not that you would be watered down, not that you would be pushed over, and that strength would come from within. Pray that for me as your pastor. Pray it for this church. Pray it for your family. But he, he also prayed a second thing. He prayed the manifest presence of the Lord in their lives. You know, we talk about these top presents that everyone has on his or her list. 
But there's one thing, if there's one thing we could pray for a loved one, it would be this. May people see Jesus in him, in her. May the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ be evident. Our men this morning heard a challenge from God's word about that light. Again, that light is an inner light that we are commanded, as it was brought out this morning by Paul, to let that light shine. And so what, what Paul is praying for the church here is that inward light, the presence of Christ. May the presence of Christ be evident in and through our lives. Notice verse 17. After he says, I pray that you will be strengthened inwardly in the inner person through the Spirit, he speaks of uh, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. May God rule in our life. This speaks to his continual manifest presence in and through our lives. When a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, that person enters a right standing with God. God's spirit dwells in that person. The person of Christ becomes um, the manifestation of the light of Christ. And what Paul is saying here is I pray that that light, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be manifest in and through your life. John the Baptist was really recognized as the last of the prophets leading up to Jesus Christ. And he had a public ministry before Jesus' ministry that was public. And when Jesus came upon the scene in his public ministry, basically John the Baptist stepped back and he said, I must decrease and he must increase. Paul is saying it must be about him and not about me. One of the worst advertisements for a Christian is someone who's consumed with self. When someone looks, they don't see Jesus. They see maybe a religious person or maybe someone uh, who is critical or maybe someone who is self-righteous. That's not right. God's desire is that people see Jesus in our lives through faith. Is that your desire? Is that desire in your heart for your loved one? Listen, we've got a generation coming up behind us. We need to be praying fervently for them. We don't need to be praying just, God, give them nice homes. God, give them comfort. Uh, we need to be praying, God, give them inner strength. God, give them the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through their lives. We need to pray spiritual blessings. But I want you to see a third thing. He prayed that they would understand the vastness of God's love for them. Notice what he says. He says at the end of verse uh, 17, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love, he adds in verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depths of God's love. I shared two or three weeks ago about the illustration when I was a child with my grandfather when I broke his window and how I waited all day for him to come home fearful that I had disappointed him Fearful that he would be angry with me. To be honest, fearful I was going to get a spanking. But when my grandfather returned home and he said, that's okay, I had a new appreciation for who my grandfather was and how much he loved me. I realized then his love for me wasn't performance-based. You know, many Christians today struggle with what I call a performance-based life. They're thinking, 
I've got to do this so God will keep loving me. I've got to earn God's love. And a lot of people who fear they can lose salvation think it is their own works that keeps God loving them. To them, Paul says, may they understand how vast God's love is. Loving so vast that even when we were enemies, Christ died for us. How much more will he love us even now? The vastness in the depth, the depth of God's love cannot be broken. We cannot lose that love, the Christians, that he has for us. But that vast love also being wide, how he dies not just for us, but for everyone. God loved you enough to send his son to die for you. And he will not take that love from you, believers. His prayer for the Ephesians is this. May you know how greatly God loves you. You know, the oceans are bound as vast as they may seem. But God's love is without limit. You know, as I think about this third aspect of the prayer... That's also important for us to pray for our loved ones, for the church, that people would understand how much God loves them because I believe that's the key. That security is the key to our effectiveness in the faith. So we see Paul had a threefold prayer. All of them dealt with working in the heart, the inner strength that comes through the Holy Spirit the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through one's life, and then that understanding of the vast love of God, a love that is beyond understanding. And then he says in verse 21, to the Lord be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. When God answers these prayers, at the same time, he's glorified. So let me challenge you today as you think about your children, your grandchildren, nieces, nephews, as you think about this world, as you think about your own self, to pray for these inner blessings. You know, I may not know right now. I'll figure out what my mom uh, needs for Christmas. I'll get that figured out. But I do know this. As Paul was praying for the church here. Three things that I know that I can pray spiritually. The inner strength of the Spirit, the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and an understanding of how greatly God loves us. Let's pray. Father, we look to your word today. We thank you for Paul with the heart of a pastor, the mind of a scholar, that Father also was a prayer. He prayed, Lord, that the work that he was doing among the Ephesians would take root in their hearts. And, Lord, you alone would produce that fruit. Father, as we go into this holy season, keep us mindful of how greatly you love us. Keep us understanding of our dependence on the strength that only you can provide. And, Lord, the result of that may it be that we would manifest your presence to your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.